Hey guys, welcome to NBA Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes around the NBA. Episode 32 is brought to you by FreeAgentsOnly.com. Keep an eye out for their launch in a few weeks. If you're looking for a mate, a date, or your MVP for life, get your head in the game. Today we got a big episode for you guys, but before we get in, I want to remind you guys to listen to us on SoundCloud or the Apple iTunes app where you can leave us a review or rating. We very much appreciate that. Big episode today. If you're following us on Twitter, you've seen us tweeting about everything at NBA and Rap. So let's just jump right in today. We'll start with Twitter polls that we put up this last week. Corbin, I'll let you run with this one because I know you posted a couple of those. We actually posted one for every single team, but we're only going to highlight about five or six. Yeah, so the first one I want to start off with was the question of just who is the greatest player in Suns franchise history. 69% of you guys had Steve Nash as the best player. Charles Barkley came in at 22%, and then Amari Sodmeyer and Kevin Johnson had 3% and 6%, respectively. But I want to ask you guys, it's close to me between Steve Nash and Charles Barkley. Steve Nash was with the Suns longer than Charles Barkley. Barkley was there for four years, Nash for 10. However, Barkley did lead them to the NBA Finals. Nash never did. Just for comparison, Nash, his stats while with the Suns was 14.4 points per game to go along with 10.5 assists per game. Uh, Charles Barkley, in his four seasons with the Suns, averaged 23.4 points per game, 11.5 rebounds per game. Um, And again, he led them to the NBA Finals. They lost. What do you guys think, Barkley or Nash, for best player in Suns history? It's got to be Nash, uh, no doubt about this for me. I know this one got a lot of votes from you guys, but from someone that was also living in Phoenix for a while, Steve Nash is just such a big name there, and I love him as a player. So it's got to be him. I think he's number one. Since they're both void of winning a ring themselves, the 10 years and the displayed amount of dominance of Steve Nash clearly makes... I mean, I'm not saying who's a better player, but for the Suns franchise, Steve Nash was for sure the face of that franchise. And I don't know, when I think about your question and I close my mind and think about the Suns, the first player who pops in my mind is Steve Nash. Yeah, I agree. That's why I chose him. I I completely agree with you, Christian. I think you put it really well when you said Barkley was the more talented player, but who was more important to the Suns? It's Steve Nash, uh, just turning around the whole franchise and having a great 10 years with them. So let's move on to the next Twitter poll that we're going to highlight. So this one's a really interesting one. Who's the greatest player in the Thunders franchise history? So Kevin Durant ended up winning this one. He got 41% of the votes. Westbrook came in second with 40%. Gary Payton at 11%. Ray Allen had 8%. So obviously Westbrook and Durant both took the Thunder to the NBA Finals back in 2012, right before James Harden was traded to the Rockets. Westbrook has been with the Thunder now for one more year than Kevin Durant. What do you guys think? I mean, we know we know about what their numbers are. Westbrook, Mr. Triple Double these last two years. Durant, a little bit more efficient than Westbrook for sure. You guys have Durant or Westbrook as the best player in Thunder's history? 100% Durant because Durant is a better player than Russell Westbrook. I love Russell Westbrook. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he gets the sympathy that an ex-girlfriend gets when the boyfriend breaks up with her, and that's Russell Westbrook. That's the reason why he won the MVP. He That's not the reason why he won the MVP. He averaged he, a triple-double. He forced his yeah. way into the MVP it race. I mean, those numbers aren't something that happens nowadays ever since Big O, Oscar if Robinson. If LeBron James forced himself, he could get a quadruple. He could double those stats. He's the best he player of all to. time, and, he's no, been, and, I, and, and he hasn't ever averaged a triple-double. He's, he's the 24 our fitness world champion like russell westbrook is the dude that just comes in and like solos himself to a victory which is great but kevin durant was the face of the franchise when they moved from seattle to oklahoma city 
I just think maybe a couple... If you ask this question, Corbin, two years down the line, it's going to be Russell Westbrook. But if you're asking me at this point in time, when I think about the entirety of the Thunders franchise and who was there from the beginning, it's the same thing I say about Steve Nash. I still think of Kevin Durant, even with all of the sympathy that we give to Russell Westbrook because Kevin Durant decided to break his heart. I disagree. Russell Westbrook is, to me, the best Thunder or Seattle Supersonic of all time. He is coming off his second triple-double average season which is not something that happens in this NBA. And he has an MVP. Kevin Durant has an MVP. They both were part of that playoff run. Russell Westbrook went back last year. He's going to go back again this year. I understand that where you come from, where you say he's a one-man show, and he puts up those stats. Yes, I know. I agree. And maybe some of the time he might force his way there. But the fact is that if you want to put up those numbers, you'll put up those numbers. And people don't do it. And he's one of those very rare talents, and he's insane. And if you just look at his career, I'm going to have to go with him. And I'm really glad it was this close with this poll. And it took me a second to think about it when I voted for it, but I put down Westbrook. And I know Christians doesn't really love Westbrook that much. I'm not saying he's a Westbrook hater. He does say, which I kind of agree with, to a certain extent where he says people do get better once they leave Westbrook and once they go to a different team or a different situation they tend to thrive a little bit better we'll see how that pans out with Carmelo Anthony who we'll talk about a little further in the podcast but I'm gonna have to stick with Westbrook on this one this was for sure the closest I'd say the best poll like if we asked this by its own question it would merit its own I think it was this one or the Celtics one that we're gonna talk about in a second also both of them were very close so to break the tie I'm gonna side with Perry and I'm gonna say Russell Westbrook and really for the same reason we talked about Screw in the you. previous poll. <laughs> Christian, you talked about who's most important for the franchise. I agree Kevin Durant's a better basketball player. He's more efficient. But Russell Westbrook's importance to the Thunder organization, especially since Kevin Durant left over these past two years, has been way more than Kevin Durant's importance ever was for the Thunder. And for him to have played an extra year with the Thunder and um, still be a very relevant team. I don't think that they're a title contender right now, but they're still a playoff contender for sure. Um, I think that edges Westbrook out just barely above Durant. If Durant was still with the Thunder, though, then yeah, I'd probably go with Kevin Durant. But like you said, Christian, really, really close. Let's move on to another poll. We're going to make this one a little bit quicker. It's just between two players. Who's the greatest player in Raptors franchise history? It's really down to either Vince Carter or DeMar DeRozan. I was surprised that 62% of you said Vince Carter and only 24% what? You're not, not going to put Chris Bosh into that conversation? Because I would almost I, put Chris Bosh. He looks like a Raptor. Raptor. You, can, you can bring him in if you want to, Barry. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to say Chris Bosh is going to win this, but I'm saying if you're going to put it between DeMar DeRozan and Vince Carter, you're going to have to put Chris Bosh in that conversation also. To me, it's no debate. I'll start with this one. It's Vince Carter, absolutely. You know, if you're going to put it with against DeMar DeRozan, I would say Chris Bosh's career with the Raptors was just as good. Even if he's not quite as high of a score, it was a different kind of player, a different time. No, Vince Carter is synonymous with the Raptors. It's no, definitely Vince Carter. I know Corbin's I was, about I was, to pull about, some I was talking about more like Bosch versus kind of DeMar DeRozan. Oh, no, Bosch for sure. So I think that what you make, the fact that you can make that argument, just proves that Vince Carter's number one because I wouldn't hold DeMar DeRozan. In terms of importance, I mean, let's put him on a time machine and go back in time and see who's better. But Vince Carter, like, like I said, the same thing I said about Steve Nash. Vince Carter is synonymous with the Raptors. He's a journeyman, but when I think of the one team, it's the Raptors. DeMar DeRozan, yeah, he was able to get to the conference uh, championship with a watered-down East, but it doesn't hold the amount of significance, to me at least, than what Vince Carter did back in the gap. Yeah, what no, about you, Corbin? I, no, I definitely agree. It's Vince Carter for sure. Yeah, to me, I'm, I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan, and I think just 
I agree that Vince Carter Vince Carter was a better player than DeMar DeRozan. And at one point in the early 2000s, you can make the case that Vince Carter was the most exciting player in basketball. Right up there with Kobe Bryant. But what DeMar DeRozan was able to do, I know he had more talent around him than Vince Carter did. But still, being able to lead a franchise in Canada to the Eastern Conference Finals and be one of the four, I mean, you could argue not one of the four best teams because the best teams are in the West, but one of the last four teams standing in the NBA, Vince Carter never came close to that. I think he got to the well, it's because the East was more finals. formidable back then. Eastern, or Eastern Conference semifinals once. I just think that what DeMar DeRozan has meant to the city of Toronto and to the franchise, and it sucks that he's not there anymore because unlike Vince Carter, who wanted to trade out of Toronto after seven seasons... DeMar DeRozan was committed to staying there. It doesn't, it does, it doesn't matter about the. It doesn't matter what happened, Corbin, about how they left. If it was him wanting to leave or DeMar DeRozan staying there and getting played, we're talking about the best player to play for the franchise. And I know. It's no, I, it's no question see, that it's. If I mean, you're talking, if you're talking about being iconic, I just that means something to me when I talk about the greatest players, players who have elevated the franchise to new heights, which DeRozan did, Vince Carter did not do, and then I mean to a lesser degree, him wanting he to was, stay there. Uh, he elevated it to new heights because the East was so weak they'd be in Weenie Hut Jr. You're talking, you're talking about being iconic. Every kid that I've seen at every festival, every party, just walking around is wearing a vintage Vince Carter jersey. I haven't seen he one DeMar DeRozan jersey. I have not seen never one person. If you're wearing a DeMar DeRozan jersey, you're probably a Banff because you are a tough no, dude. No, if you're wearing a DeMar DeRozan jersey, you ordered it and then he, you got played and they traded him and you just there was like a no return policy. So you're just like I need to wear this anyways. Like it's a throwback now, I guess. Seriously, honest to God, Corbin, let's let, let's put a note in this. I wonder which jersey sold more in 2016, 2017, Vince Carter's throwback jersey or Demar Derozan's actual jersey. It's Derozan. I I don't. I mean, what, up, I mean let's let's I look it up. Let's let's we'll, we'll Twitter. We'll not, get back I'm to not, you on this. Honestly, I'm not going to play this by jersey sales. I'm. I was just bringing that up. If you're going to talk about someone who's more iconic, but All just right. talking about who's but, more iconic, who's more important to the team, who's a bigger name, who is better in his career. It doesn't matter why they left Toronto. It's Vince Carter. Absolutely, I know I mean, Christian agrees. I think it's still up for debate, but let's move well, on. So we got some more polls to get to. So next up, who's the greatest player in Pelicans franchise history? Anthony Davis. Our poll had. Baron Davis and David West were just two other players on there. West got 0%, Baron Davis 8%. Anthony Davis won with 57%, and then Chris Paul had 35%. To me, it's really just between those two. And I'll start this off. I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. In terms of who elevated the team to more success, they both took the Pelicans, or in Chris Paul's case, the Hornets, to the Western Conference semifinals, and that was as far as they got. Chris Paul was arguably the best point guard in the league when he was playing for the Hornets, but Anthony Davis is arguably the best big man in the league, and I think his impact is much larger than what Chris Paul does on the court. What do you guys think? It's not arguably the best big man in the league. He is the best big man in the league, and it's not even a debate. It's Anthony Davis by far. He's going to continue to elevate this franchise. It's not even a question of Anthony Davis. I think that Anthony Davis, if LeBron James doesn't win the MVP, it's going to be Anthony Davis next year. But yeah, that's it's going to be Anthony Davis forever from now until the dawn of time. From someone who lives so close to New Orleans, I felt the impact of Anthony Davis. I saw the impact of Anthony Davis. If they did not have them in New Orleans, 
I don't think one native New Orleans person would go to the games. And that's shocking because that's a city that is so rich with sports culture. To have, that, and that's just his importance because if Chris Paul wasn't there, I still think at that time the city would have rallied around and still shown up for games. If Anthony Davis hasn't been there the past couple of years, they're going to be all Saints stuff, no Pelicans. They'll be the Clippers to the Saints, basically. Okay, well, we'll see. I mean, if he gets traded, that's going to be... Sad for that franchise. But I don't think let's move on to the Lakers. This one, this one is going to be really tough. So, greatest player in Lakers franchise history. There are others that I could have added to this poll, but you had to narrow it down to four. So I have Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West. West got zero percent of the votes. Kareem twenty-one percent. Magic thirty-five percent. Kobe Bryant won with forty-four percent. I know it's tough, but if you guys had to choose one player, who's the best Laker of all time? Uh, Magic Johnson. In Magic Johnson's words, Kobe Bryant is the best Laker of all time. And that's directly from Magic Johnson's mouth at Kobe Bryant's final game. So I'm going to take that as law. I know you're going to give me some gypsy stat, Corbin, but it took me, it, it took me five minutes to vote on this one, but I definitely ended up with Magic Johnson. And going back to who's more iconic, too, yeah. that's another hard one also. But in my opinion, Magic Johnson's the king of L.A. It's not just being on the throne for the Lakers. He's owner of LAFC, the soccer club. He's part owner of the Dodgers. He, you know, runs the Lakers. He's, you know, got his hand in, I'm pretty sure, WNBA too. I'm sure everything else as well. Magic Johnson, he runs LA. Kobe's always going to be a superstar. And in, we, I think he's the best Laker that I've ever seen because I never really got to watch Magic. So it's really just what I've seen via stat line, via you know highlights and everything like that. And I want to say Kobe, but I'm going to have to say Magic. Yeah, it's extremely tough. I'm going to go barely with Magic Johnson. What Magic was able to do with the Lakers, and yes, he had more talent around him than Kobe did for the most part, although I think Shaq was the greatest player to play with either one of Magic Johnson or Kobe ahead of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But Magic Johnson being able to lead the Lakers to, I believe it was nine finals in 11 years versus Kobe Bryant. Nine finals and then winning five championships in just those 11 years. Kobe Bryant ended up with the same championships, five championships, went to seven finals in 20 years. The thing that sucks with Magic is that for four seasons from the 91-92 season to the 94-95 season, he didn't play because he was diagnosed with HIV and the NBA and the whole humankind just did not know much about the illness and they were worried that if Magic Johnson stepped onto a basketball court that everyone else could get infected as well when that just wasn't the case. Um, Then he came back in 96, played 32 games and he's a shell of his former self, but um, you could still see the talent that he had. It's just, I just wish that he, I wish that we weren't robbed of a few more prime years of Magic Johnson. That 91 season, his last healthy season before he was diagnosed with HIV, lost to Michael Jordan in the finals, and I think if he had stayed healthy and hadn't contracted HIV, probably would have had at least another one or two matchups in the finals with Michael Jordan. That would have been a lot of fun. I think he's made up for past, uh, for missed oh, years yeah. with his no, post-career. Getting a little bit I, I, want, I want as much good stuff for the NBA and for the Lakers, and I mean, just for Magic Johnson, too, as possible, so I'm going to be selfish and just... As much as he's given to the Lakers, I wish he could have gave more. True. So let's move I on mean, to Magic Johnson finer. basically beat AIDS, and Kobe Bryant didn't do that. So I guess you got to give him the. <laughs> he's better. Right. All right. Let's move on to our final Twitter poll. So just the Celtics' greatest player in franchise history. I had Bob Cousy and Kevin McHale on this poll. They both got zero percent. 
Larry Bird barely edged out Bill Russell, 51%, 49%. What do you guys think? Bill Russell, the greatest champion of all time. I think that's just a reflection on our age of our viewership because very few people understand the relevance of Russell. So Bird is the only image they have of a Celtics player. If you look at his stats, it literally will make you sick. So you can say the NBA was what it was back then, but iconic. You ask anyone that's 30 years old, they're going to say Russell or older. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable what Bill Russell was able to. Larry Bird was an unbelievable player, but Bill Russell, I mean, he didn't put up the gaudiest stat line in the world for his career. He averaged 15 points and 22 rebounds is pretty impressive. Right. But when you just consider, yes, he was playing against a lot less talent than Larry Bird was playing against or anyone in today's age, but he still had to go up against Will Chamberlain. And he played Will Chamberlain in five game sevens, and in every one of those game sevens, Bill Russell won. And I think the combined winning total was, I think, like seven or eight points in those five game sevens. So just barely edging out what most people would say was the greatest big or the most talented big man of that generation and just beating him every single time, whether Will Chamberlain was on the Philadelphia Warriors or the Philadelphia 76ers or the L.A. Lakers, it didn't matter. I mean, even more to his legacy, when Red Auerbach retired as head coach, Bill Russell took over as head coach, and the Celtics kept winning. So just a huge testament to him and how great of a talent he was and just him sacrificing. He could have scored more points per game if he wanted to, but Red Auerbach wanted him to be someone who was just going to play defense, get rebounds, outlet to Bob Cousy so they could run their fast break, and that's what he did, and he didn't complain about it. Um, so yeah, Bill Russell, to me, best Celtic of all time. Let's move on to our next topic, and Perry, I'll let you run with this one. Yeah, we got LeBron and the Lakers, and we were just talking about great Lakers right before that Celtics poll, and LeBron coming now, who I definitely say is the best player of all time. We're not even going to get in that debate right now, but regardless, he now adds his his face onto the Mount Rushmore of you know Laker legends now that he's coming over there. But let's just talk about LeBron personally a little bit first. And something that happened about last week, but the I Promise school that he opened up, it's a public school that offers a ton to underprivileged kids in Akron, Ohio, which is his hometown. Our tweet went viral, blew up. I just wanted to highlight some of the things that the I Promise school provides to those kids. Uh, Free tuition, free uniforms, free bicycle and helmet. LeBron James said that riding his bike was his escape as a kid and being able to just travel via bike and he was able to keep headphones in or even if not just to hear the sound of the trees is what he said quote unquote it was really peaceful for him so he remembered that from his childhood and wanted to give that to every kid too so i thought that was a really special small thing that he was adding Uh, on top of that free transportation within two miles free breakfast lunch and snacks food pantry for families ged and job placement for families as well so it's huge that he's not just helping out the kids here but helping out the families as well uh, on top of just sending their kids to school but giving them you know when they're underprivileged sometimes it's not just the fact that they don't have you know a parent around or you know unfortunate events or anything like that it's just the fact that they can't provide too much and lebron's who's very privileged is giving them food food pantry you know he understands that the education with the kid also comes from the well-being of the family around him so he's taking care of not only the students but their support system as well. totally and a quote from why he was even doing this school he said i know exactly what these 240 kids are going through because i've been there they're the reason why this school is here today coming just what christian said 
He knows exactly what it is to be there, which is why this is so meaningful to him. But the last thing that this school provides, which I think is awesome, it's free tuition paid for at the University of Akron for all graduates of this school. So if you are able to get through this school from LeBron James, and I'm sure he's going to give you all the tutoring, all the support you need. And if you're in this school, I'm sure you're not going to be flunking out. It's one of those high-profile schools that's probably so hard to get into. And, you know, families aren't able to provide the proper education without this. So obviously they're going to be pushing their kids as well. So it's just insane to see what he's been able to provide, the kind of person that he is on top of the basketball player that he is. On top of that, something that really hasn't been talked about because there was no public announcement. LeBron James gave his high school a $100,000 check. He also gave that school a million dollars, you know, three or four years ago as well. 2013. Yeah, 2013. So LeBron James, just such a philanthropist. And just a few other things, just continuing with him, who's, again, just a super person, not just a player. Showtime just announced LeBron James is going to be an executive producer for a three-part documentary series titled Shut Up and Dribble. Of course, Love it. that powerful statement from, you know, when he said, I'm not just going to shut up and dribble. He, he's using his platform for good. To- well, it was actually a Republic, or a Fox pundit who said... You need to shut yeah, up. Yeah, you need to shut up and And then he you know, responded yeah, back saying I'm, it's a lot more than that kind of thing. And he's shown that continually with over the last few months, you know, time after time after time, LeBron has just been providing, showing what an amazing person he is, how talented he is, showing why he's going to LA. This is a big thing here, which is why I'm trying to highlight his, you know, being a producer, being a lead actor, because this is just one thing now the shut up and dribble documentary series. That's huge, but he's also doing so many other things too. He's producing multiple shows at once. A movie. A movie. He's acting. He's Space Jam. Space 2. Jam Two's in the mix as well, coming up. So Blaze Pizza. He turned yeah. a lot of people. He ten times the investment he put into Blaze Pizza. He put five million dollars in. It's now worth fifty million. For people who invest, ten times your investment is unheard of. Ten percent return. That's, it's actually the fastest growing chain in the U.S. Yes. So LeBron James, just a very smart guy, and on top of that. He is the MVP favorite for this year coming up. According to Bovada Official, they put out their MVP odds going forward today. LeBron James, number one, 10 to 3. Anthony Davis at 4 to 1 is at number 2. Uh, Giannis at number 3, 9 to 2. James Harden with 11 to 2. Kevin Durant, 9 to 1. Kawhi, 11 to 1. Russell Westbrook, 14 to 1. Steph Curry, 15 to 1. Joel Embiid and Kyrie Irving, both at 16 to 1. So, LeBron James, again, he's in. He's the front runner for this, and I would have to agree, looking at how he played year 15, he was his best year yet with that kind of team, and he's on this Lakers squad around LeBron James. I really, really like his chances this year, and if not, just like what Christian said, if it's not him, it's going to probably be Anthony Davis, who had just showed superpowers last year, and is going to continue to get better and better. It's his team, especially with DeMarcus Cousins not re-signing there. They're going to be scheming around him. Definitely the best big man in the league, 100%. One more thing I wanted to bring up, just about the Lakers this year. You know, They're going to be playing more nationally televised games with 43 then the Grizzlies, Hornets, Kings, Magic, Bulls, Nets, and Hawks combined at 37. So let's talk Showtime, Lakers. Corbin, I'll let you run with this. What do you think about LeBron James and all of his endeavors? And the Lakers, obviously, with a ton of televised games this year, Showtime's back. What do you think? Yeah, so in terms of the televised schedule, I mean, I think we all assumed that they would have some crazy number of nationally televised games. They have the 
most televised games, I believe the Warriors have. It's like 37, 38, might be 40, but it's a few less than the Lakers. Uh, I mean, that's the fact when you combine the greatest player, I'd, I'd say not even arguably, but arguably of all time with the second largest market in the U.S., this is the result. Um, but going back to LeBron James and all of his charitable work, it's just so incredible the impact that he is having and just continues to have and just being so selfish with uh, people are going to talk selfish. about how oh, well, he has money to burn. He had that billion dollar contract with Nike. It's You still need to be an amazing person to be willing to give up as much money as he has been giving up routinely to do all of these different things. And it's so great to see something like this when there are so many different athletes that come along that do get in, get in the news for the wrong reason, whether it's a boneheaded decision off the field or off the court or doing something on the court that they really shouldn't have done. But when you look at LeBron James, there really hasn't been anything throughout his entire career that has really been bad where like you would want to tell your kid, oh, you don't want to be like him because he did this. You think about everything that he's done throughout his entire career, what's probably the biggest knock on him? The, the probably decision. the decision. Yeah. So the biggest knock on him, the decision, that resulted in, I believe it was either hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, raised for the Boys and Girls Club of America. LeBron James has said that if he could do it again, he wouldn't do the decision. But even still, his worst his worst decision, the decision, still was a net positive for so many people around the world. So LeBron James, it's just incredible. I sent a text message in our group chat saying that as great of a basketball player as LeBron James is, he's an even better person. And then Christian, you quickly said how, uh, well, he's the greatest basketball player of all time, so he'd have to be the best person of all time. He's I mean, basically I'm, 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 I'm not going to say that, but he is genuinely just one of the most amazing, incredible people, per- persons that you will ever meet. And it's just so, I just, I can't say enough good things about just how, amazing it is to see him doing this. we're still we're still getting you guys quoting the tweet right now about how happy you are what a yeah. great guy he is just still going viral to this second and i'm not even excited about the fact that any tweet went viral i'm excited about the fact that that specific tweet went viral and how meaningful yeah. that is and that so many people were able to see that so very happy about LeBron James, all of his endeavors. I'm really happy that he's becoming such a big part of L.A. culture and the film business, everything like that. It's such a perfect platform, and Le- Magic Johnson is the perfect person to guide LeBron James to a successful end of his career and to the beginning of his career as an actor, as a, a mogul, mogul. Yeah, yeah, as someone that's just running L.A., running this, you know, the U.S., really, just a big part of it. Just one of those multi-figure, just big-name guys that's really going to make an impact for a very long time. We'll move away from LeBron James and on to Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he signs his one-year $2.4 million deal with the Houston Rockets officially. He's been rumored to be signing it for a long time. He verbally agreed about a week and a half ago. There's like four reports that he's going to be a rocket. We've been saying that Carmelo's a rocket over and over and over again for a long time. Yeah, I'm very happy to say that Carmelo's officially a rocket and this is going to be done. What I think is so funny is the Atlanta Hawks Twitter page and what they've (laughs) done with this buyout, this trade. 
they have found a way to make themselves just the head of humor in regards to NBA Twitter, and whoever's running that needs a raise. Our promotion. Like, it was one of those LeBron. Uh, they said the evolution of Melo, and it had a little bit of each jersey that he played a part of. The with, Knicks, you know, the, the Knicks, Nuggets, the Nuggets. Yeah, exactly. With all those teams with him, and they were like, something's missing here with just the eyes emoji. I just think it's so funny that they actually. Really take a part in this, especially since Carmelo made $25.5 million in five days with the Hawks, which is more than Embiid, Giannis, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, and Kyrie are all going to be making this upcoming season. Carmelo Anthony is going to be, you know, outmake each one of these players within five days of being with the Hawks, so they can laugh all they want on Twitter. They gave up a big chunk of change to let Carmelo Anthony walk, but finally, he's a Houston Rocket. Christian, what's your initial reaction? Finally, I know we've really heard our talks about the fit with the Rockets already, but now what do you think about this one-year $2.4 million deal and how this all panned out? I mean, that is pretty accurate to what his worth like is. Maybe he would fetch himself a slightly larger contract than that, just if he were a, a free agent, just off of whatever. But, you know, I, you almost, like, man-to-man got to respect a dude getting paid for basically nothing. Like, Carmelo Anthony got a massive payday because of how good he was years and years ago. I, I saw uh, something that we had retweeted on our p- uh, Twitter page, and it was a joke that Carmelo Anthony, uh, the Hawks were asking him to give some of that money back, and he basically cut a little sliver out of an apple and gave it back <laughs> to him. He goes, here you go, because he only gave back the, the vet minimum. It's just... I'm. It's, he's not worth that amount of money, so it sickens me a little bit because I, I always fight uh, on Twitter for athletes being paid what they're worth. And yeah. a lot of the times people say they're overpaid and I'm minority that fights against that, saying they need to get paid more. Carmel Anthony's on the flip side of that. He's one of those athletes that for sure is overpaid, but I'm glad that he's yeah. on a contender. There's no way to really... On Oklahoma City, his performance was definitely not worth the amount of money that he was getting. The yeah. only thing I can hope for as a fan is, Carmelo, take this 2.4 to the chest and realize that you need to have a bounce-back season if you ever want to get paid in the same realm of how you were getting paid before. Because if you're not coming off the bench and you're not contributing on defense... Your net average, your plus minus, is going to be horrible. Yeah, that's something that I heard kind of this week. I know he was saying he wasn't going to take a bench roll at all. I think things have changed a little bit. He seems to be willing to possibly take a bench roll if that's what's best for the team. But when you lose Ariza and you lose you know, a chunk of the depth on that team, especially on the perimeter, there is a starting spot for him there. So it's don't be surprised when you see Carmelo Anthony, at least in the starting five for the first week or two of the season. And I really think for the whole entire season. But he would really thrive off the bench. You know, if you put in a lineup with Gordon out there, with Harden, and you really play more of a small ball with Capella, P.J. Tucker out there, I really think he would thrive as that lead scorer off the bench. His numbers would definitely rise, but thats he's got a lot of pride. He's a player that doesn't believe he's done yet. Chris Paul's his best friend. I really think they're going to be able to figure something out, just like I've been saying this whole time. Expect an uptick in Carmelo's numbers, especially since it was obviously career lows in every single category in Oklahoma State. Sorry, Oklahoma City. So I don't think that's going to really be an issue for him going up. It really can't go much lower for him. I really was... A big dip for him last year, but I'm really happy to see this all finally end. It's been kind of annoying to report over and over and over again, but he is a rocket now. Corbin, do you have anything to add to this? Because I know we've really went over it a bunch. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for probably at least the past month. I think that in terms of starting versus off the bench, they're probably going to give him the 
well, not give him, but I think he's going to earn the starting role at least to start the year, and then they'll try to see how it goes from there. It's in the Rockets' best interest if he does start, just because even if he's saying that now he's kind of okay with maybe coming off the bench, you know he's going to be a little bit disgruntled. So they're going to give him every opportunity possible to start. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't yeah, start. Yeah, you start him unless it doesn't work out. And then you bench him and figure yeah, out exactly. a different lineup. But you start him at first, definitely. Yeah, you don't, But you also don't force a guy to start that makes $2.4 million when you're trying to chase him. It's not really forcing him. It's, and it's not really that the fact that he's just mm-hmm. making two point four. Like He made his 25.5 mil from you know the Hawks. It's just now he's just being smart, really helping a team that doesn't have a lot of flexibility yeah, I mean, with the cap. But. Sorry, sorry, Perry, I didn't want to... No, it's okay, off. but yeah, I don't think he's worth $2.4 million in his career. I'm, I know everyone's knocking Carmelo nowadays, but he's not worth $2.4 million. He just cashed out his money and just made a little extra chunk of change just you know to help out a team that yeah, was He really, covered his bases of what he had to give back to the yeah, he wants to win a championship. That's how, just like we say every episode nowadays, it's about championship rings, and that's our fault and the media's fault. So if you're going to you know, abandon where you are, there isn't really a sense of loyalty for your franchise anymore. You're just going to go chase a ring, especially at this point in Carmelo's career. I just think that it's the Rockets know that if they're going to be competitive with the Warriors, they have to get at least a good Carmelo Anthony. It can't be a bad one, which if he's disgruntled, he's going to be less interested, and then things are going to get sour for them really quickly. So I don't think, I'm sorry to interrupt, I don't think Carmelo has the room to be upset. No, I think this no. is the last stop. Like he better put a smile on his face, or he is going to be headed to that China team for three years, twenty-five million, like Dwayne Wade was. Yeah, become a future Stephon Marbury. But let's really put some respect on his name for a second. Just a random stat: uh, he has the third most points with twenty-five thousand four hundred and seventeen in NBA history without a Finals appearance, trailing only Dominique Wilkins and Alex English. So that's really all we're going to touch on for Carmelo, but we'll see what he does this season, how the Rockets pan out. We'll talk about Dwayne Wade, another Banana Boat squad member on top of Chris Paul and Carmelo. He There was reports that he signed a one-year deal to come back to the organization, but members of the organization and himself both have released statements saying that it hasn't happened, and I think they were just false reports. But he did release a statement a couple days before that saying, if I am playing the game of basketball this year, it'll be in a Miami uniform. I don't see Dwayne Wade walking away yet. No, I don't know about you guys. It's That would be very anticlimactic. I think Dwayne Wade's not going to have, obviously, a Kobe farewell, but he's going to have some sort of farewell. It's not just, oh, yeah. you know what? I think I'm done. It's not like he's really injury-ridden to where he's falling apart and this is just a sad end of his career or whatever. That kind of like what Derrick Rose is at right now, where you're like, are you retiring? Are you going to resign another deal? Do you even want to play you know, basketball? Are we even going to play basketball anymore? You know, Dwayne Wade, he went back, got traded to Miami with those awesome jerseys that they wore last year. He was making game winners. Vintage Wade. That's just not how it's going to end because I think he would have hinted that before and I don't no think doubt. he's done yet. I think you both can agree with me. I think this will be his last year in the National Basketball League. Yeah, I think this will be his last year too. But I think he's going to re-sign a one-year deal with the Heat. It just hasn't really officially happened yet. We're regardless of the reports that you've seen on Twitter. But he did release that statement saying that if he's going to be playing this year, it's going to be with Miami. So I'm glad he's not going to be ring-chasing somewhere because you know the Heat have no chance of winning a championship this year. But Wade's got a couple already. So. Going to the Cavs for a little bit last year was his attempt to be a ring-chaser. And he was like, eh, it's either Warriors or us. <laughs> either on the Warriors winning a ring or you're on another team next year. I totally agree. I, Dwayne Wade's... 
top five, top ten best shooting guards of all time. Mm-hmm. He's gonna oh, be, no doubt. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, first ballot, no doubt. And I really hope that we get to see one more year of D. Wade. Seriously. I hope that we see four more years. And he one plays three in one more funny thing I want to talk about D. Wade. Off the books. We Today, his wife... Gabrielle Union released uh, a picture on Instagram, super hot picture. Uh, she was it was like a wet shirt. You could see her boobs and everything like that. And Jimmy Butler commented like, "Oh damn!" Like all caps, like exclamation marks and stuff. And then Dwayne Wade came in with the block, you know, that chase down block, and was like, "Mine" in all caps. <laughs> but I just thought that was hilarious. Jimmy Butler, you know, causing waves right now. I think he's hilarious for doing that on Instagram. But we'll move away from D Wade. So re- really quickly with Wade, just because there was that report of the three-year, twenty-five million dollar offer from the China Basketball Association, there was no way he was ever going to take that. He's made enough money in his career where that twenty-five million isn't going to push him to go there. His, I believe, his oldest son is now in high school. He married Gabrielle Union, I believe, just a few years ago. He doesn't want to be all the way in China, so that was never going to happen. I think he will sign one more year with the Heat and then. Uh, retire after this year and get some some sort of farewell tour as long as he announces that this will be his last year. But it's good to hear that he's not going to be playing anywhere else besides the NBA. I agree. Well, let's talk college rule change. A really weird thing that happened with weird timing. I know that USA Basketball released statements that they were blindsided by this and everything like that. But hear this out, the NCAA will allow elite high school and college players to be represented by an agent while also allowing players to return to school if not selected in the NBA draft. Christian, what do you think about this? One, and this thing about NCAA sports is those very gray terms. Like, what is an elite basketball player they, or elite high school prospect? They need to clearly define that because I see the opportunity for some shady-ish to happen in between those lines. I like it. I think in general it's a move towards having high school players being allowed back into the NBA draft, the high school seniors. That's happening regardless. I, it hasn't been confirmed. I know that they're anticipating it happening, but nothing has been set in stone for its return right. in black and white. So I think this is a good sign for people. I, I think that high school players should be allowed to go to the NBA, so it excites me. They just need to be precise. The NCAA, you need to be clear and concise because one, these are young kids, and two, when you allow adults, especially agents, to meddle with young kids, you need to have things in place to make sure that these kids are not being overran. Because anytime some dude comes to you and says, I can help you make $10 million, your judgment is a little bit off. So this announcement scares me a little bit because I... Being a former college athlete, I've seen how dirty things can get very quickly, especially with money. But I like it in a total sense because I believe that they will police this correctly and it's going to go from A to B in which we are where we're at and it's going to go back to having high school players back in the draft. I agree with you. It needs to be regulated and I'm sure they're putting that together and we'll figure that out. But what I do like about the agent part of this is that agents have rapport with the NBA with organizations and member of you know personnel of these teams. So they're able to say, okay, this kid is ready. This kid has a long way to go. He's got you know A, B, and C. He needs to improve here and there. So you're really able to take someone who knows what it takes to be in the NBA and help these kids in this transition period in regards to not you know having these teams reach as much, not having these teams 
really go in as blind. They'll have someone that they trust, someone that they've done a lot of work with with these agents, telling them you know the honest truth about where these players are at, and even college players. Because I really, what I really like about this rule is letting college players go back if they go undrafted. Guys like you know Malik Newman this year, who were you know was really good in college, went undrafted, you know was playing for the Lakers. They you know dropped him too. I'm not even sure what's going on with him now, but I'm sure a player like that they released him. He's not even yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if he's re-signed with another team at all, but I know the Lakers released him. So I'm sure with a situation like that or Raleigh Alkins from U of A, who's a similar shooting guard for me. I'm sure they would have both opted to go back to school if they could have, especially when you're a freshman. And I'm sure you're not going to be jumping out of college if you're a freshman unless you know for a fact that you probably have draft stock. But at the same time, who knows what happens? Just giving players this option because making that leap to the NBA and being a professional is a big deal. And sometimes you want to make that jump, but when you get there, before it's really happening, you see you're not ready. Maybe you need another year. There's so many factors that you can look at this. So I love that this is now an option at the very least. That's my favorite thing about this. But I really like the agent and the fact that they can open up the line of communication with high school players, their families, these teams really make this transition from high school straight to the NBA a lot more comfortable because people are going to be really skeptical. People are going to be really careful with the rules and it's going to be really looked at, especially at first. So having established agents are going to be the key to this and helping you know the players with the smooth transition. Uh, but speaking of the draft and college and, you know, situations that happen with some of these players let's talk 76ers injury curse and this is a serious thing let me highlight a few things that have happened since 2013 each pick since that draft in 2013 have been injured or forced to miss significant time nerlens noel 2013 the number six overall pick joel Embiid. 2014, the number three overall pick. Jaleel Okafor, 2015, number three overall pick. Ben Simmons, 2016, number one overall pick. Marco Fultz, 2017, number one overall pick. Zaire Smith, their first round pick from this last year. And Landry Shamit, who was their second round pick from this last year as well. Philly acquired Zaire Smith in the draft, trading for his rights of you know number 10 pick pick Mikel Bridges to Phoenix for Smith in a 2021 first rounder and that's a big deal because that's the year that high schoolers are supposed to be eligible to come to the NBA so that's a big deal if you're giving up a first rounder so you really believed in that trade but Smith broke his ankle at at a developmental camp in Las Vegas a few weeks ago and the second injury to 76ers rookie this season after the 26 overall pick he was actually another first round pick my bad about that he sprained his ankle early in summer league was forced to sit the entire summer league and his status is currently unknown so regardless if he plays this year every single rookie it feels like since 2013 at least their first round picks have went down been forced to make significant time or the entire season this is getting eerie guys so i'm not sure what's going on if it has to do with poor scouting for training department, uh, it's bad luck. It has to be something. Yeah, voodoo kind of stuff. Corbin, what's your take on this? I don't know. It's it's weird. It's I don't know if you can say it's just them being unlucky because that's a lot of years in a row to be unlucky since 2013. Yeah, whatever it is, I if I was an NBA draft prospect, I would be doing whatever I could just to not be drafted by the Sixers, just because I wouldn't want to miss my rookie year or most of it. So. 
it's weird. I mean, I hope it stops soon. I like seeing young talent come into the NBA and be able to start playing. I think it just puts it puts each of their players at uh, at a disadvantage. Even though I mean, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're going to be fine, but. Not having Maybe. that first year in the NBA to be able to play against players and then be able to go into the offseason knowing exactly what you need to work on, it's tough for them. So just hopefully whatever it is stops soon. It's just a really weird, freaky thing, though. I, I can't explain it. Christian, what do you think? Is it bad luck or something to do with the organization, scouting? It's got to be something. This is going to come out of left field. It's karma from their fan base. <laughs> being so delusional and so caught up in themselves that karma's just like, trust the process, yeah, five more years of the process, broken ankle. Like there's, the market, and I think Colin Coward made this um, made this parallel. If the 76ers had Jason Tate, they didn't trade for Marquette Fultz, they had Jason Tatum, and they also had, it probably would Colin Sexton is that pick that turned into, they had another top pick. There was a much more likely chance that LeBron James would have landed in Philadelphia Versus their current situation. Trading for Marquette Fult- Markel Fultz basically took themselves out of the running for LeBron James. At least in my mind, the more that I think about it, the situation becomes a lot less valuable when you gave up the picks that you gave up to get Marquette Fult- Markel Fultz when you could have had a much better player in Jason Tatum. It's if, if anything, the injuries they can't control to some extent, but the bad trades that they made leading up to it, they can control. So they do shoot themselves in the foot in that sense, but injuries, you can't control that. I don't think any of us here are saying that they're doing something that is resulting in their it's injuries. It's just the worst luck ever. It's just the worst luck. Now, the rehab time, that is controlled by their staff, and I think that is something that we can accurately criticize is their ability to get players back into the game. Because Marquette Fold's injury, now I'm not a surgeon, I'm not a PT specialist, I'm not familiar with his injury, but it seems like that the first whiff of them being injured for a significant time, they just shut him down for the whole season regardless, to almost like protect their rookie card. Like I think Markel Fultz could have played more last year, Ben Simmons could have played more, but they kind of just shield their rookies at the slightest sign of getting injured, and that mentally creates an atmosphere that allows more injuries to happen. Yeah, I don't know. Someone in their organization did something awful to someone. They have the right. worst karma of all time. Or maybe Christian's right, and it's karma for their fan base. It's Allen Iverson with a voodoo doll, and he's secretly <laughs> spiteful, and he's just like, snap Joel Embiid's orbital foot bone and break yeah. Ben Simmons' <laughs> clitter. I don't know. Just a few things I wanted to cover before we left here. Just a bunch of signings I'm going to run through really quick. Uh, Sam Decker to the Cavs from the Clippers. Greg Monroe signs with the Raptors. Jaleel Okafor signs with the Pelicans, making a comeback. Shelvin Mack signs with the Grizzlies. EuroLeague standout James Nunnally signs with the Timberwolves. Undrafted Texas A&M center Tyler Davis signs with the Thunder. Briante Weber re-signs with the Heat. Shabazz Muhammad signs with the Bucks. I hope he does well on this situation. Nets guaranteed Spencer Dinwiddie for the entire season, and the Jazz release David Stockton, son of John Stockton, Jazz legend. Just wanted to bring up a few signings that happened around the league. That's all we got for you guys today on NBA Unwrapped. It's been a really fun episode. I know it's been really dead around the NBA on our Twitter page. We're not as lively as we always would like to be, but nobody is right now around NBA Twitter. Stick with us. Hopefully in the next you know week or two after this whole Carmelo, LeBron, everything that's happened, we're hoping that there's still some lightning strikes 
strikes here around the NBA, but you never know when something crazy is about to happen. So make sure to follow our Twitter at NBA and Rap for when that crazy thing does happen or any smaller signings. We're all over it. I'm on there. Corbin's on there. Christian's on there at all times of the day. So make sure to keep an eye on there. Pacific time, Eastern time. I don't care where you are. If you're up, check NBA and Rap. Thank you so much for sticking us with us today. Thank you to our sponsor, freeagentsonly.com. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, keep us up on there. If not, you can listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. Give us a rating and a review on there. Please follow us on Twitter at NBA and Rap. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. You can follow Corbin on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. That's all we have for you guys today. Any last words? Thank you again, Free Agents Only, for the t-shirt. It fits amazing. Oh, yeah, and we might be doing another Free Agents Only t-shirt giveaway on Twitter, so keep an eye out for that. We might be doing that again soon. And seriously, if you use anything like Tinder, please give Free Agents Only a look because they do what they do except for, for sports, sports like people. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. it's actually a really awesome concept. It's launching in just a couple weeks. They're just finishing a couple kinks, but they already have a humongous database, over 15,000, 16,000 people on Twitter. A bunch of people already signed up for their site. Keep an eye out. Look at our Twitter. Look at theirs. They got a lot of cool stuff going on. So do we. Guys, they got a lot of cute girls on there. Trust me. <laughs> Get on it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time.